Caseline offering up some couples counseling, how to ride with the one you love. We preview a unique Grand Fondo along the coast of California. It's actually a Grand Fondo slash Omnium ride. And a heck of a letter from a mountain bike advocate gets a reply. The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels, rolls on. This show would be nothing, though, without FatCyclist.com and the one and only Fatty. Woohoo! I'm cheering for myself. Ah, I'm cheering for you. Red <laughs> Kite Prayer, also a major part of this podcast. RKP founder Patrick Brady checking in. Hello. Ha- you Uh-oh. sound terrible. I've got my whole uh, lurch act going, thanks to the flu. <laughs> I was going to go say you sound more like Eeyore, but... Uh, hopefully I'm a little more upbeat than he is. Yeah. Hopefully I'm more upbeat than he is. The monsters <laughs> present. I'm Michael Hutton, RKP contributor and commercial radio refugee. We're going to get to the route sheet in just a few seconds, but first some pretty big industry news. The company that owns Mavic, or Mavic, as we say here in America, has purchased Envy, the major carbon wheel maker, 50 million bucks cash deal. The company writing the check said the acquisition accelerates their um, business, especially in the U.S., and provides further expansion opportunities internationally. Patrick, first, we need your help with the pronunciation here. The owner of Mavic is Amer, Amer, what, how do they say that? Uh, I think most properly it's a May. It's a Finnish company, isn't it? Um, because if it is, holdings, I happen yeah. to speak Finnish, and it would be Amer. Amer. Mm-hmm. Amer. Amer. Okay. Okay. Amer. So Amer. I'm just hearing French guys say what that is. Okay, that that makes sense. I'm so just it's saying, Am- if it's Finnish, emphasis goes at the beginning of the first word, and they uh, they roll their R's. Amer. Oh. We'll leave, okay. we'll leave it to you, Fatty. Amer, sports cycling company, uh, says Envy brings capabilities in carbon tech and it offers operational scale and synergy benefits complementing Amer's sports cycling category. Patrick, interpret this mess, please. What does this mean? Um, well, you know, at first blush, when you look at Mavic and you look at Envy, you you can be forgiven for asking, okay, why are they buying them? But then when you back up and you look at the complete uh, uh, portfolio of holdings uh, that Amer has, um, you know, they've got Arcteryx and a number of just top flight outdoor brands. At that point, it looks like no mystery whatsoever. Um, They don't don't buy chumps. Uh, They buy companies that are at the top of their game and doing first-rate work. Uh, what this does do is perhaps gives uh, Mavic access to uh, engineering that they haven't had uh, through their own staff. Um, you know, the big change in, in wheel technology has been uh, the uh, uh, double leading edge rim designs, you know, where the spoke bed is rounded a la um, uh, NV's SES series rims and uh, uh, Zips. Um, uh, Firecrest and Fire Strike designs. Um, you know, that really revolutionized how deep section rims handle in the wind. And uh, Mavic has been off the back with that. So this is a chance for them to come current. Um, you know, but that's only if there's a, uh, 
uh, a blending of uh, or a sharing of technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, just how this is going to be managed remains to be seen. Yeah, Amer owns, in addition to the clothing maker you mentioned, Solomon, Wilson, Atomic, they make skis, Sunto, Precor, and of all things, Louisville Slugger, the maker of baseball bats. So quite a portfolio for them. Now Envy will be part of that group. And they're out of Ogden, Utah. Fatty, you're in Utah. Is, is Envy like a... Does it feel like a homegrown operation there? Has there been any word of this around there? Oh, yeah. Um, Talking at a personal level on Facebook, uh, a couple of people who I've ridden with and ride with and are friends at Envy, they they express optimism and enthusiasm about this. And that's not in a public forum. That's in private conversations. And so I'm happy to see it. From what I hear, uh, this is something that's going to be primarily a good thing. Of course, anytime that you bring a small company into a big company, there's a potential for redundancy. And so from a purely, I hope my friends keep their jobs perspective, I have a little bit of concern. But at least initially, it gives them a higher profile and a place to sell. Uh, I know that they recently have been working toward completing a new facility. And from what I understand, that is still, uh, you know, they are still growing and still doing great. So uh, it's still a local company made good story as far as I can tell without a sad ending. And and the good news is in the press materials, at least so far, there's been a commitment to stay in Ogden Mm -hmm. for the time being. So uh, my garage has both Mavics and Envy's in them. I'm a, a fan of both products. Patrick, I, I tend to agree with you. I think Mavic's been caught off guard a little bit by some of the, the carbon wheel technology that's gone on. They have carbon entries, but certainly have not been able to match what Zip and Envy has been doing. Um, and this news, this industry news, is just kind of piling on other stuff that's been going on. We've seen a big merger with Wiggle and Chain Reaction, a big online merger, and yeah. uh, sp- specialized announcing layoffs. That's a could have another Utah connection for you out there too, Fetty. I know they have a big warehouse and a big operation out there. So a lot of industry news going. Is this just the time of year, Patrick? Does this go on this time of year? Anything cyclical here? Um, I've more often seen layoffs uh, late fall just ahead of Christmas, you know, when basically when, uh, you know, Scrooge would, would do it. Right. Um, but, you know, tr- Traditionally, you'll see layoffs like right after the show is over and as everybody's waiting for spring sales to kick in uh, so that they don't have to carry those uh, those payroll dollars uh, through the lean winter. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's some pretty big uh, industry news coming out right now. So a lot to, to follow on that end. But we want to get now to the route sheet because this is an interesting one and uh, one that, uh, Patrick, I think you're, you're going to be going to and Fatty, you might find this. Uh, Fatty, I know you're doing, you're getting ready for, and the name escapes me now, your relay event, right? Right, the Rockwell Relay. The Mm -hmm. Rockwell Relay, which is pretty cool. Here's another one that may get your interest, and I know Patrick is pretty much signed up for this one. It's it's the Malibu Grand Fondo, and you think Grand Fondo, okay, sounds pretty normal. Big mass start, big party, Italian style. Um, but this has a an interesting twist to it. They've they've added a, an omnium section to this, so you can do a Saturday Grand Fondo ride, and Sunday you can compete further by doing a time trial. Not everyone is required to do this, but they have a total of 171 kilometers laid out uh, the weekend of I think it's March 4th and 5th, Patrick, um, mm-hmm. and it's a two day event. Usually attracts uh, some well known folks there. 
and they have this this omnium twist. Now, what's what's on your agenda for for this ride? Well, as you alluded to, there is a second choice, which is to do a fun social recovery ride, which is exactly what I plan to do. Doing an individual time trial the day after I've done a 100-mile ride at a somewhat competitive (laughs) pace. Um, Let's just say, I I mean, I'm a hopeful sort, but I kind of anticipate that my legs won't be ready to do uh, a time trial the very next day. Um, and also I think it would be, you know, fun just to have a chance to, uh, do an easy ride and socialize with people, meet readers, you know, meet other people down in the area and also, you know, just go easy while you're riding along the coast there. Uh, that stretch of PCH is one of the better stretches of coastline riding in the entire world. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather not be doing it head down at, you know, uh, 25 miles an hour mm-hmm. and just thrashing myself. So give folks a, a flavor for the style of riding and what you kind of need to be ready for if the Malibu Grand Fondo or any type of Malibu area riding is in your plans. Well, the big thing is the Santa Monica Mountains are some pretty challenging riding. Uh, you know, the ups can be challenging, you know, steep pitches, constantly twisting road. Uh, but the big thing is the down. Uh, descending there. Uh, I've said on, in many instances, as a matter of fact, the, the folks with the Malibu Grand Fondo asked to reprint part of an article I wrote about riding in Malibu a few years back for Road Bike Action. And it's if you can descend in Malibu, you can descend anywhere in the world. It's that difficult. Um, Why? You know, what makes it difficult? Because of the steep pitches. Uh, the canyon roads are, you know, the canyons force the road builders uh, to follow whatever's available. So those wonderful alpine roads that you get in France where, you know, it's long switchback after long switchback, that's just not an option in Malibu. Uh, and so frequently there are off-camber turns at 13, 14, 15%. Um, and things like that, it's really easy to get in over your head. Plus, um, you know, most alpine climbs, uh, the road will ascend or descend at a fairly constant uh, gradient. You know, it won't suddenly go from 5 to 10%. Uh, they try to make it, you know, a, as uh, as reasonable in its progression as possible. Whereas it's it's easy to be rolling along on something that's only a, a 6 or 7% descent and suddenly the ground just peels away from you and you're at 18%. Uh, so it's really easy to be... Uh, to find yourself in a circumstance where you're caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, my initial thoughts about running Grand Fondos in Malibu was, wow, this would be so great. This would be so awesome. And then after a few group rides uh, were run there, and uh, not all of them ended as well as we would have liked, uh, I realized that, you know, for people coming in from other areas, people unfamiliar with this terrain, um, this is maybe not the best sort of thing to to bring folks into you know who are unsuspecting uh what these uh what this organi- organizer has done um is to eliminate a, uh all but one of those really difficult descents uh you've got to take Westlake Road uh back into uh Westlake Village but other than that uh to my knowledge all the really hairy roads have been avoided 
Uh, they climb Latigo Canyon, so you get one of those really classic test piece climbs. Um, you get some great time on the coast. You do get a little up, a little down otherwise, uh, but I think it's a course that you know doesn't require uh, a graduate seminar in descending. <laughs> yeah, the Santa Monica's can be tricky. I, I'm thankful that I met Patrick a number of years ago, and he showed me the ropes up there. Um, but still, you're you're constantly learning. It's just one of those places that always can surprise you, and you you have to be ready. The the Grand Fondo experience um, out west has been growing. Fatty, what's been the scene uh, in your neck of the woods as far as Grand Fondos? Are, are you into them? Do you like this this format? Um, what are you seeing out in Utah? I like the idea of the format, and there are Grand Fondos out here. They have not been big money makers. There is not a Utah Grand Fondo that has sold out or even come close. Um, that said, I am adjusting my schedule at least a little bit to try to get to at least one or two. There's one in Cash Valley called the Cash Grand Fondo, and it looks really good. And I know it's a beautiful area. I'm uh, going to try to make it out there. It's more races out here. Uh, I don't know if it's just that we are hyper competitive or what, but uh, with the mountains and so forth, it's hard to put together a hundred mile course that is going to suit a wide range of people. If you use the best roads, there's no way to avoid nine to 10,000 feet of climbing in 100 miles. There just isn't, not around where I live. Yeah, Patrick, what is that word Grand Fonda? What's the expectation there? I mean, can does that mean it's available and open to most level of riders? Is there, um, are there parameters when we say Grand Fondo? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, quite literally, it's big ride, okay? And Grand Fondos in Italy, uh, they're big celebrations of cycling, uh, big festivals. And it's meant to be a come one, come all sort of uh, celebration of the sport. You know, you've got a bunch of uh, former pros and uh, you've got kind of aspiring pros. There are guys who simply race the Grand Fondo circuit because the prizes are so good uh, that they can survive just on that. And that's why you're hearing about doping in Fondos mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> in Europe. Um, uh, anyway, um, traditionally, you know, they start in, in some town and take over the whole of the town. Uh, some small town. It won't be like all of Milan. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, there are any number of small towns uh, that host these things. And, you know, frequently they have uh, big, big sponsors, Colnago, Pinarello, Campagnolo. Um, and so, you know, the format, um, we've yet to have anything uh, replicate the entire format top to bottom here in the U.S. for a variety of reasons. You know, nobody has stepped up with the level of sponsorship that you see over there. But then also, you know, there's that whole thing of trying to uh, trying to take over a town and, you know, shut it down and make it, uh, you know, make it cycling central for a day. Uh, I mean, they'll have kids races, everything. You know, they've got an expo. The, um, the swag that they give out for your registration there, unbelievable. Um, based on, you know, what I've seen, you frequently get more than what you've paid in terms of your entry fee. Mm -hmm. So these are, they do it up right there. We have yet to figure out how to do it the, to the same degree here. What's the difference between a century and a grand fondo then? 
Well, the first biggest thing is just the mass start format. You know, um, a century here, people start rolling out, you know, 5.30, 6, 6.30, whatever. You'll still have people just rolling out at 8 or 8.30. And so you've got no idea, you know, the other people on the course, how long they've taken to get there. So Whereas, Grand Fondo brings an element of competition to the whole thing. Uh, yes and no. You don't have to be competitive. But the thing is, when you're 63 miles into a 100-mile ride and you look to your right and there's some dude next to you in a Fonda, you know he's ridden just as hard as you have to get to that point. So the people surrounding you are going to be just as fit as you are, more or less. Or at least they're putting out the same level of effort you are, more or less. Uh, and so there's a certain implicit camaraderie in that, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's the Malibu Grand Fondo coming up. It's the first weekend in March. Again, this has an omnium element to it. And Patrick, I have a TT bike here if you don't want to drag one down from, from Northern California. There's a TT bike sitting in my garage. There's a time trial helmet if you're so inclined. I had something for this. Wait, wait. <laughs> I had. Oh, yeah, right. Thanks. I'll pass. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, I recovery, wish I lived right. close. I would love to do the time trial after the, after the Fondo ride. Would love I would to. I would high five you up the road on that in a heartbeat, dude. <laughs> Are you a time trial time trialer, Fatty? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I have a shiv. Have the pointy helmet. Got the whole thing. Skin Ooh. suit. There is a there is a time trial series uh, here in the area, and I will be racing it every week this year. It, it's a it's one of those areas to gain fitness. And you put that stuff in the bank, and it pays dividends in a number of ways in all kinds of events. Your ability to ride at that level can really pay off. Absolutely. You're smart for doing that. No, it's, it's also fun. I mean, you, you find out where, you, you know, you find out the degree to which your engine is working. And Very you true. Know, put aside strategy, put aside everything else, and just find out how hard can you go. Again, it's the Malibu Grand Fondo, the first weekend of March, uh, day one, 151 kilometers. If you want to go the long route, 106. If you want to go something shorter, then day two, a recovery ride or that 20-kilometer time trial up a PCH. Coming up on the Pace Line, riding with your significant other. Thanks for jumping in on the pace line. Fatty, Patrick Brady, Michael Hutton, all present. And we're going to, uh, boy, this could be risky stuff here, guys. We're going to attempt to counsel people on how <laughs> they should ride together as couples. Um, this is uh, something that, at least personally, I don't see enough of, at least as far as the gentlemen I ride with here, they tend to ride and go out and ride on their own, and they leave their girlfriends or wives or partners at home to wait for them. Um, I have a strategy about kind of how to work around this and work with this. I know, Fatty, you've got some significant experience with this as well. So we're going to get into how to ride with the one you love and not kill each other in the process. Um, there have been videos out online about this topic. Uh, DeKine was kind enough 
to put something together uh, that went a little something like this. This is this is kind of a role reversal one. They they put the guy in the lady's role maybe and the lady in the guy's role, but let's let's go to the tape. So what's this trail like? Is it like the one we rode the other day? Um, will I be will I be good enough to do it? Yeah, I or am I not good enough? Uh, Are there any drops? No. Are there any technical sections? No. Is it steep? Uh, no. Okay. Do you want to go first? No, it's okay, hon. Don't wait for me. So you get the idea. It can be um, a little difficult at times when you go out on the trail or go out on the road to make sure you are matched up properly, that you both have the, the same idea in mind as you roll along as a couple. I, I came across, too, an a interesting blog entry, guys. Um, kind of some rules to ride by for couples. And it's broken down into, into two segments. One is if you, one of you, one of the couples, one in the couple, that is, is new to riding. Pretty basic stuff, but pretty obvious as well. Rule one would be to be patient with your significant other. If you roll your eyes, probably not a good idea as the person is trying to keep up. Show confidence in their abilities, but don't teach. Don't be a preacher. Just be a partner on the bike. And don't expect the ride to be the same as a ride with your normal riding buddies. Pretty obvious stuff, don't you guys think? I mean, Fatty, what is your approach to... First of all, we we have to say that (laughs) your wife... I've never ridden with her, but any wife who has the name The Hammer (laughs) must be a pretty amazing rider. But give us some of your backstory about how you two started riding together, and what, how you approach this, this subject. Okay, well, uh, let it be known that we are celebrating our six-year wedding anniversary this week. And, oh. and super happy about that. Also, let it be known that our first date was on a bike. And I think pretty much every other date we've had since then has been on a bike or running. When we first started dating, her nickname was not The Hammer. It was The Runner. And that is important because I went running with her. She went riding with me. She was already a strong rider, but there had to be give and take. And so there was an understanding that she would hang back for me when we ran. I would hang back a little for her when we rode. And I learned the things that would irritate her. It turns out that I am a half wheeler. I never knew that before we started dating that I was always half wheeling her and it drew drove her nuts. Also, I used to say, you ride in front and I will just ride right behind you and I would be too close and make her nervous. Since then, I have learned to adapt that. I have learned to ride a little bit slower um, when we are training and as a result, I am much faster when we race. And she has become a faster and more technical rider. We've been really good for each other. We train full-time uh, together now pretty in every single ride. So how do you work it out? Do you guys plan to go? You said we're going to go on a ride together. Do you meet up during rides? How does that work out? Well, I work from home. So when she gets home from work, uh, we go out and... Uh, we generally know sometime, you know, while we're having coffee in the morning, we'll talk about what the what the workout is going to be during the day. So we, we know by the time it's time to start. Today, 
at 4 p.m. We're going out on a road ride. Mm-hmm. Oh, the weather's good there. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's been really nice. We've had a little break in the weather. We're able to get outside a bit. That You must consider yourself somewhat lucky, though, here, because your abilities are, are close enough together that you can go out on the same trails or ride the same mm-hmm. roads. Yeah, that, that well, helps a lot. It's and certainly our situation is a little bit different. We met after we were both already competitive cyclists. Our our relationship, uh, you know, the the start of our relationship at least had to do with the fact that we had very common interests, which happened to be cycling. And I know that you know, uh, for a lot of relationships, they come into it come into the riding part after the relationship has already started. Maybe the man gets into writing and then maybe the woman does or maybe vice versa it could go either way and then there is a convincing to hey try this thing that i love i would say that what worked for us at the very beginning it would work for others and that is there needs to be give and take i went ahead and even though i am don't i'm not drawn to running i tried running we signed up for and did an Ironman together which you know I I showed that hey I was willing to uh, go and do a marathon if she was willing to get into the stuff that I love and so it was you know it it, there there should be give and take you know if you want if you want me to do something you love then try something I love right Patrick um this is the kind of thing that can either make relationships work or cause them to <laughs> fall apart. Uh, bikes, <laughs> riding, uh, whether it be riding together or not. Tell me some of the things you have observed in this area and anything you've attempted that has worked or not. I just remember a ride that I did with a girlfriend when I was still in college. And uh, we'd ridden to downtown Memphis and went exploring. And then suddenly I realized I was late uh, in getting back home to get ready for work at the pizza joint that we both worked out. And uh, I got onto a big thoroughfare in Memphis uh, a little bit before rush hour, you know, not quite smack dab in the middle of rush hour and went charging home and dropped her. Um, I would take that and present it as... uh, Exhibit A in exactly what not to do. Um, someone had to pull me off to the side and explain that, you know, she got home <laughs> in tears. Uh, so that's what not to do. Um, you know, there are so many different ways to do it well. Um, one thing that, that I did with one partner was um, we would go out and we would ride easy. And uh, if it was a day where I still needed to get a bit of a workout, um, we would... We would take a, you know, a little circuit and do it over and over. And I would just go really hard on the hill. And then I'd wait at the top of the hill for her. And we'd go riding off again. Um, and that way, I wasn't just leaving her back behind me. She'd know what I was going to do. Uh, I would do that thing. And then I would wait for her. And then we would ride together. I think the biggest single mistake most guys make is that they're always pushing the pace to do the ride that they want to do. Um, mm-hmm. With my wife, when she first started getting back into cycling after having not been a cyclist uh, for a few years, um, I just made sure that we went out on my recovery days. Um, Or it would be the second ride of a day when I could afford to go easy. And that way, um, I would just ride at whatever pace she wanted to go. 
if she felt like, oh, I want to, I want to jam up this hill. Um, I was right there with her. Um, you know, but the big thing was to, to take her cue, uh, and follow her lead, allow her to set, uh, the, uh, set the pace for the ride and not drive her to do something that wasn't her idea of a good time. Mm-hmm. And don't I've also half done a lot wheel. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, don't half wheel anyone. I mean, well, no, some guys you definitely need to half wheel. <laughs> I'm, I'm with um, Patrick on that. Um, the other thing is I've done a lot of tandeming, uh, over the years with one partner, uh, in particular, and uh, it's a quick way to kind of learn about how in sync or out of sync uh, you two are. Uh, the The best phrase I ever heard of tandems, I think, came from Bill McCready uh, at Santana. He calls them uh, relationship magnifiers. Uh-huh. <laughs> whatever's like whatever's going on in the relationship, yeah. be it good or bad, it's it's gonna get amplified quite a bit. Um, and so, for people who are in a good relationship. Uh, fatty and the hammer uh, being an example, you could put the two of them on a tandem and I think they'd probably have a fantastic time. I'm not sure who you'd put in the front of the, of that particular duo. We've though. had that conversation as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I know a guy who could get you on one for, for a try. So, um, but yeah, it's, you know, I think, I think being able to, Part of a great relationship to me is sharing the world. And if you're a cyclist, sharing the world through cycling with your partner is just kind of a natural urge. Yeah. And, and it brings it up, it brings in so many other opportunities to do things together when you're on vacation. It's just the two of you and you bring bikes, uh, especially wine country vacations, that type of thing. It's just an, an obvious, I think, to, to have both people on a bike as much as possible. I too have some personal experience in this area and took a, I would say a strategic approach when I started really riding in earnest. And I knew what was happening. I was starting to spend an enormous amount of time on the bike. I mean, you know, your typical ride is, oh, four or five hours on a weekend. You're booking that with the getting up time and the after time. You're talking about a seven, eight hour day by the time it's all said and done that uh, it's pretty much devoted to you. And I thought, boy, this is just not going to last with my lovely wife, Veronica. I need to find a way to involve her. And additionally, I was watching other guys I ride with see their relationships either suffer or they would feel this constant urge, I got to go back because she's not happy because I'm out here or what have you. I thought, this has got to be a better way around this. So... One thing I started, one thing I did, I did do this, in fact, as soon as I started riding quite a bit, is I, I went and shopped for a bicycle for my wife. And I said, I'm going to, you want, I asked her, you want a bike? Sure enough, she said, yeah, I want a bike, that'd be great. So I went out and I, and I got her a bike. Now, I can t- I got her a nice, and I, I bought her something nice, too. I got her a Specialized Roubaix, it was kitted up nice, triple at the time, um, and I said, look, here's, here's what we can do. I'm going to continue to do my long rides. And what's going to happen is you're going to meet me as I'm coming back. So I would go out and do some long training deal. And I'd say, here, meet me at PCH and such and such intersection. And you'll pick me up there and I'll peel off the group and you and I will complete the ride together. And that works great. It, it continues to work to this day. And it's one of our little strategies that we use. I'll go out and do a dirt ride and she'll meet me along the way and we'll, we'll finish the ride together. 
Here's the trap I fall into, and you guys have already kind of touched on this, is I, I, I want to see, I, I, I don't expect my wife to be the hammer, although I, I'd love her to be that someday. I, I think she she could be much better than she, she is right now. But I want to, I'd like to see her improve and kind of raise her own expectations about her writing abilities. And it's a trap. Uh, too often I get into the mode of trying to coach and push her along and get her to to hang on to my wheel or to push herself a little bit harder to try something. Patrick, you and I, in fact, were out um, testing bicycles one day, a pair of Scots. I'll never forget this. Yep. Um, and I made my wife ride up the climb that you and I were doing repeatedly. Um, and I think she wanted to kill me in the end. <laughs> but I knew it was within her ability, you know, and I just want to see her get better. I've even written about this um, on RKP a couple times about wishing that my wife had a little more courage or a little more confidence in her own ability. Because um, there's been times where she's shown it too and it just makes me proud as can be. There's a There's a practice crit right up close to our house here on Tuesday nights during the summer months. And I've taken her out there and put her in the group before. And you should see her. She uh-huh. buries herself at times. Yeah, she gets popped, but it's just beautiful to watch. She pops off. I pace her back on. Um, but for some reason, I can't get her to, to push it to the next level. She's very comfortable in her riding zone. And I'd like to see her raise it to the to, to another level, to, to bring more, to open more opportunities to herself with a little more fitness. Do you guys have any idea about how this could be accomplished? Here's what you do. That's a desire thing. Well, it, it desire for sure, but I would say it is also a an agreement on what you are both going to care about. And for us, hmm. we sign up at the beginning of the year, you know, in the it, it, after the season is over and we're starting to think about what races are we going to do next year? We sign up for events together at the same time so that we are peaking for the same event. We are training to the same event. When we are having conversations, it is about Leadville. It is about Rockwell. It is about True Grit. It is about the Crusher and the Tusher. We are doing all of them at the same time. Whether she wins or gets on the podium or whatever, we are both trying very hard on that day, and we are training to the same point, to the same level, and we both pick which events we're going to be doing together. It's we don't say, you know, it's not like I say, hey, we're going to do Leadville, we're going to do Crusher, we're going to do True Grit, we're going to do uh, Levi's Grand Fondo. We look at the calendar and we decide together. So the events that we are doing are events that we picked and that we care about. It's the whole thing. It's not me trying to draw her along. It is what we together have selected. Mm-hmm. Patrick, you were going to say? Um, well, I just see it as, um, first and foremost, what you're talking about as an issue of desire. Does someone want to learn how to dig that deep? Um you know, I, uh, there's someone in my past who, uh, she just, she fundamentally didn't really understand, uh, what it was to, to dig that deep and really go hard. Uh, and the entire time she had her road bike, it never once went into the big ring except for on the repair stand. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's cycling, uh, well, deep physical exertion wasn't part of something that she wanted in her life and rather than try to coax her into that uh i just made my peace with that's just not who she is 
Um, you know, I, I think that's something that people either discover on their own or not. Um, I don't know that I really understood what going that deep was when I first became a cyclist. It's something that, you know, was uh, like consciousness, something that emerged over time mm-hmm. for me. So I try to be respectful of, of where people, other people are right. in that progression. Right. Well, we hope we've counseled people a little bit. Look, we're not licensed psychotherapists here. We do our best. But I think we've come to, uh, the three of us have come to an understanding with how to deal with this topic, to, to find some middle ground, um, to, to work with your significant other about their goals, to understand them, but to kind of keep your own stuff into perspective too and to, to pursue that as, as best you can. So It's also possible that it's three guys talking about what women want. <laughs> warning, and we therefore warning. have completely, completely missed the point. <laughs> we probably should have had our wives in on this conversation. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> okay, so let's quit while we're behind. <laughs> You're right. We will. Let's let's cut this one off. We're done. The paceline counseling session, marriage counseling session, officially has come to a stop. Next, we head to the feed zone. And we have a lot of musettes to grab, including one full of lugs and steel tubing and torches. It's coming up next on the pace line. My hands hurt so much from breaking. Well, maybe you shouldn't break as much. What? Love is a many splendid thing. So, what should we have for dinner? Maybe we should go out. Oh, but we have that leftover quiche from last night. We should eat that. Maybe I should back my car today. Pace line heading into the feed zone now, grabbing uh, feed bags, opening them up, and boy, we're finding a, a number of items in here today, guys. First of all, IMBA has responded to the Sustainable Trail Coalition's drive to open up the Wilderness Act and the letter from John Bliss. They've also replied to it on why mountain bikers should support the STC over IMBA. This was a segment we did a couple shows ago. Uh, the International Mountain Bicycling Association will pursue, this is IMBA's response now, will pursue a more assertive stance on the designation of public lands as federally protected wilderness areas that do not allow bikes, but IMBA will not back any effort to amend the Wilderness Act of 1964. Executive Director Mike Van Abel said amending that act would have negative and unintended consequences that make the effort politically unviable, and the IMBA board recently reaffirmed that stance. It sounds like IMBA is same old, same old with this stuff. Isn't that what you guys are drawing from it? Yeah, it was a fail. <laughs> I mean, they IMBA did come out and say in so many words, STC, go ahead, go for it, uh, work on that Wilderness Act, but we're going to continue taking our approach to trail building and community building and working around the Wilderness Act, not through it. I mean, that's they did throw a little support behind STC here. Um, it, it's so weak as to be inconsequential. Okay. Uh, 
in our last show as well, we talked about the ban on bikes in Burn Preserve. Pretty good discussion about how a city council, the Los Altos Hills City Council, was using Strava Times to uh, essentially ban bikes in a preserve. They looked at the Strava Times and discovered that uh, the top uh, KOMers were bombing some of the single track trails there, and they decided that's it for bikes, all bikes in the preserve. Well, the council held its second reading on that ordinance, and we just want to update the uh, Paceline listeners that. It did pass on second reading. There were no changes to the ordinance. It looks like those bikes uh, will be banned in Burn Preserve. I think California law requires that the ordinance be posted uh, for about 45 days before it can officially go into effect. But barring any legal action here, guys, it looks like uh, bikes will be banned and that the Strava times were, boy, the thing behind it all here. Kind of a crazy story there out of Los Altos Hills. Hey, the North American Handmade Bike Show is uh, just around the corner. Patrick, you're headed to Sacramento. You're going to be a judge at the show. This is the world's largest show for custom-built bikes. There'll be frame builders and component manufacturers. And for the first time ever, I guess, uh, we'll have uh, builders from Russia on scene, too. So the Cold War, I guess, has truly melted because now we have frame builders at the North American Handmade Bike Show showing up from Russia. What do you expect to see uh, at NABS this year, Patrick? Um, yeah, they're going to be builders from a number of different countries around the world. Uh, there's an English builder uh, who's got a frame that I've already seen some pictures of uh, that I'm particularly excited about. Um, uh, you know, the real story with NABs uh, traditionally are the American builders. Uh, the U.S. is leading the way in terms of custom frame building and has been for a number of years now. And uh there's going to be a lot of really great work. Uh, the show has completely sold out in terms of exhibitor, exhibitor spaces. And so it's going to be a big show. Uh, this is an, uh, a location that people are excited about. You know, it'll be a little nicer weather than we had last year in Louisville. Um, it's, it's going to be a really wonderful time. Uh, you know, kind of a gathering of the tribes and uh, lots and lots of great work. Uh, Instagram and Facebook have been full of just amazing photos of, of killer bikes. Mm-hmm. For anybody who's on the West Coast, if you can get there, you should. Mm-hmm. Fatty, is this the kind of thing you pay attention to, uh, the, the customized bikes and the kind of the artisan side of things? Are you into this type of thing? I love looking at the photos. I've never been to the show, but would love to go sometime. As is, I have to uh, live it vicariously through sites like RKP. Yep. It is the the work itself. I mean, Patrick, I've heard it described as the, the bikes themselves are really like owning a piece of art, a piece of art that you you can ride. Is that the impression you've had as you've walked the floor of these shows? Yeah, rideable art. That is absolutely how we talk about these. Uh, you know, they're as, as beautiful in presentation as they are in experience, you know. And I mean, you know, you think about it, it's like, you know, most of us, we're not going to own uh, a giclée from Picasso, you know, a, a numbered print by Monet, something like that. Uh, but, you know, these guys, they're true artists. And uh, the opportunity to have something made completely for you, uh, you know, a truly custom bike, one made that will handle the way you want and fit precisely to you. Uh, that's a pretty special thing. And to have it uh, express a particular builder's artistic vision uh, for what a bike can be. Um, it's a it's a really rewarding buying experience. You know, having that experience of working with the builder, 
to get the bike that you want. And then, you know, once you receive the bike and it gets built up and you get out there and ride it, um, there's nothing quite like it. You know, I ride a lot of different bikes and I, you know, there are a lot of very high performance carbon fiber bikes out there. But when I go down to my garage, uh, my go-to bikes are my custom steel or my custom tie bike. Um, those are the bikes that handle the way I want and are most comfortable in the fit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just there's to me there's no substitute. I do understand though there is a significant level of innovation going on with these custom builders so much so that it gets the attention of some of our large brand friends and they show up to the show. I think oh, you know yeah. who we're talking about. The the bigger names in our industry show up there and get a look at what's going on on this level. They're very interested in it. Oh, you know, I, one of the things that bugs me is when people think that uh, the employees of a company like Trek or Specialized or Giant are tone deaf to what's being done at NABs. And to me, that's just an awful insult. Um, I used to work for Felt some years back. And last year at Louisville, uh, I'm walking through the lobby of the hotel. And who do I see but my former coworker, uh, Bob Thompson, uh, who's the head of design for uh, for Felt. He heads up all the graphic design. Um and, you know, bike geeks are bike geeks. And so, you know, the employees of Specialized and Trek and whatnot, they're into this just like uh, we are. Uh, to think otherwise is, is really an awful insult to the work that they do. Mm-hmm. So it's a North American handmade bike show. Patrick, you're judging, right? Is there a category you're judging? Uh, I'm chief judge for all of the awards. Okay. And uh, so I, I forget how many categories there are, eight, eight or so. Um, so there are particular uh, categories just for uh, the form of building, whether it's uh, lugged construction, fillet brazing, TIG welding, or carbon fiber layup. Um, swimsuit. Builders have to... Su- swimsuit. <laughs> uh, builders have to provide a bare frame for that. And then there are the other categories like best road, best track, uh, best cyclocross or gravel, best mountain bike and builders present an entire bicycle for those categories. Um, so really just, it's very fun stuff. We judge the awards, uh, except for a couple of them, uh, on Friday. And then I get to wander the floor Friday and Saturday, checking out new stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, for fatty and I, please post the eye candy on the redkiteprayer.com so we can have a look at what's going on there and at least dream of owning yeah. such a fine piece of writable art, as we like There'll to say. There'll be daily posts for sure. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, another item in our feedback today, guys, uh, clean vehicle rebates. Um, Fatty, I don't know what goes on in Utah with you, you buy an electric vehicle, if this government gives you a little money back for buying that vehicle. Here in California, they have a an entire multi-million dollar program. If you buy a zero-emission vehicle, well, you're going to get a little money back in your pocket for doing so. And the California Bike Coalition wants a piece of the action. They say, look, what's, what, what burns cleaner, a Prius, a Chevy Volt, or the bicycle? I mean, what has the least impact on the environment? What really deserves a clean vehicle rebate? They believe the bicycle does. Duh. <laughs> right. They would like to see there's – a, there's a $206 million program – for the clean vehicle rebate program in the state. They would like to see $10 million set aside for bicycles. 
as a clean vehicle. Now, the qualification here is that the bicycle would have to be primarily used as a commute vehicle. And there would be standards set aside that said, look, cargo bike or an electric bike or a folding bike clearly are commute bikes. These aren't, you know, carbon fiber race bikes. And somebody who, who buys that bike and uses it for that purpose deserves a little kickback from the government, say 500 bucks. Would you be opposed as a taxpayer if, 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 if that type of money was going to people who were buying bikes? I, I can understand why some people might be a little bit apprehensive about that in, in the same way that I don't want my taxpayer dollars to go to someone uh, financing their sports car, even if it is a Tesla. It's like, right. you know, hey, you know, you got yourself a super nice car there. I shouldn't have to pay for any of it. Uh, no one should have to pay for my tarmac. But if I have a bike that is specifically built and uh, purpose-specific for getting me to work and back, then, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I would be more than happy to have uh, some of my tax dollars go to help that person uh, get to working back on you know the ultimate clean burning machine. Patrick, does this sound like good public policy to you? I think it's going to be met with an awful lot of resistance right now. Uh, five years from now, less so. Ten years, a whole lot less. Okay. It is um, a petition so far. So the Bicycle Coalition hasn't even got it to the legislative process yet. But they're asking for support on this. Again, ten million bucks would be the pool. It'd be five hundred per bike. Um, should it become what they think it should be? That's again the uh, California Bicycle Coalition. If you care to support that effort, uh, one other item in our uh, feedback today, guys, and that's uh, Evelyn Stevens. She will attempt to break the world hour record this Saturday. We want to wish her good luck. Um, yeah. Newly covered Olympic Training Center Velodrome in Colorado Springs is where she's going to. Attempt to do this, she will attempt to break the record of 46.882 kilometers set, uh, boy, not even, just about a month ago by Australian Bridie O'Donnell. It'll be the third hour record attempt by a woman since the UCI modernized the rules for the event in 2014, allowing any equipment that is legal for endurance track events. But it's going to be at altitude, so, I mean, what are the prospects here? I mean, that sounds like she picked a tough venue. Is that true? Or I, I, my understanding is you want to go high altitude because you, there is less uh, air resistance. Aren't most of them done at altitude? An awful lot have mm-hmm. been. You know, perhaps the most famous was Merckx's Mexico City. That's what I'm thinking of too. Yeah. Um, you know the the thing is you've got to weigh that against. Well, are you acclimated mm-hmm. to the altitude? You know, so if you're acclimated, then it makes a lot of sense to go ahead and do it. Yeah, no question. Got to be there for at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, so Evie Stevens, uh, this Saturday, again, will attempt to break the women's hour record. We want to wish her good luck in that attempt. Um, Should be fun to watch. The pace line, getting close to the finish line here. Fatty, I want to check in with you before we let you go. What's uh, going on at FatCyclist.com and on the FattyCast? Well, you know, the FattyCast is kind of where I have been spending a lot of my cycles lately. And I've got so many interviews in the can already. Uh, I'm talking with the guys who came up with that It's the Nerve thing, the super strong tasting thing you take when you are cramping. And three out of three times I have used it. 
it has uh, actually worked for me. So I have a fatty cast with them. I'm talking with pro Erica Tingy about what she is doing this year. I'm talking with Paul Gio, who is a writer and producer about a TV show. He is also cool. a, uh, a very enthusiastic cyclist and uses writing to help his writing. And I'm talking with Ray Maker of DC Rainmaker. So some interesting interviews. Oh, and the former CEO of Livestrong is on the Fatty Cast coming up soon. Ooh, that will be a good one, too. Uh, Red Kite Prayer, of course, will be at the Handmade Bike Show in Sacramento. But what else is a uh, cooking, Patrick, on the pages of RKP? Well, I guess here with the uh, recent focus on custom frame building, I want to acknowledge uh, the very sad uh, recent passing of master frame builder Brian Bayless, who passed away on Saturday. Uh, We've posted a remembrance of him and or an appreciation of him. Um, I'd like to uh, at least acknowledge him. Brian was a friend of mine, someone I really admired. Uh, he could be a gruff guy, and not everyone understood him or got along with him, but uh, he was one of those real treasures. Um, very few people will ever come close to what he achieved. Uh, so I'd love to see people get by and, and give him a nod for that. we Will do. Uh, on our next show, we're going to talk about the bike words you can do without, and we want to hear from uh, Paceline listeners on this one too. If there's a word you would like to erase from cycling – Go to redkiteprayer.com, and in the comments for this show, leave us a word, uh, your word, that is, and why you want, you'd want to get rid of it. If your word is clean, we might use it as one we would like to get rid of, too. Also, go to fatcyclist.com as, as well, and, and you can uh, leave your word there, too, with Fatty. Uh, the Pace Line is available at redkiteprayer.com, fatcyclist.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Now, Stitcher, guys, is back up after a Valentine's weekend crash they are advising android users to get the new app version 3.5.1 it's available in the google play store of course that's it for the pace line for fatty and patrick i'm michael Houghton. talk to you next time on the pace line <laughs>